You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Stephen Henderson today. The two leaders of the state house had a big week at the 2019 Mackinac Policy Conference. I got a chance to sit down and talk with both of them, fresh off their victory lap on the porch of the Grand Hotel, where Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed their auto insurance deal into law. We got a chance to talk about no fault, the budget, education, and other issues. First, here's my conversation with Republican State House Speaker Lee Chatfield. Tell me a little bit about that vote on auto no fault and how that came together. This is an issue that's been hotly contested for so long with, I mean, years and years without being able to cobble together 55 votes. You got, uh, I believe, 90 plus votes in on this bill. Talk again about how that came together. Well, this was the number one issue that we prioritized heading into this term because the people have spoken very loud and clear to us that they're fed up with paying the highest car insurance rates in the country. And in an era of divided government, we knew that we had to reach a consensus and truly come together in a bipartisan way to get something done. And I was happy to deliver on a reform that gives, you know, 7 million drivers in this state real choice with also mandated rate relief that they're going to see starting in 2020. This was a big win, not just for the institution, not just for our system of government to build a platform where we trust each other and can tackle big issues, but this was a big win for 7 million drivers in our state who've been asking us to stop being a part of the problem and to start being a part of the solution. And I was happy to deliver that with my colleagues and uh, with the governor. Talk about what this means for other big issues like roads, like the budget, uh, this relationship that you've built with the governor at this point through no fault. What kind of momentum does it give you going into those issues? You know, any negotiations require a relationship. And you can only have a healthy relationship if there's a foundation of trust. And what this did is build a, an excellent foundation that we can work off of heading into the coming months. So I applaud Senate Majority Leader Shirky. I applaud Governor Whitmer for truly being at the table and finding a way where we can step up for the drivers. And now the focus is going to be on the budget. Mm. And, the, you know, the budget proposal that the governor gave us is tied to, you know, a 45 cent gas tax that we now have to start talking about and finding a way that we can fund our roads in a more responsible way to ensure that uh, we're fulfilling our constitutional requirements because infrastructure is a key part of the role of government and we need to do a better job in Michigan. We've been underinvesting for the last 40 years and that's got to change. The governor says she's giving the legislature one chance to vote with one vote to essentially pass a budget, fix the roads, and do better for education at the same time. I mean, three just gargantuan issues that you're going to be tackling this session. What do you think of that approach about the idea that, you know, this is this is a opportunity to take one vote and solve three huge issues? Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the legislature's approach Mm. to solving these problems. I think we have to dig deep like we did with car insurance and really focus in on what I believe to be the real root of the problem when it comes to road funding. And in this in the country, Michigan is in the top five of what we pay at the pump in taxes. But not every penny paid in taxes at the pump in Michigan goes towards roads. So I'm not going to have a conversation about new revenue until that has changed. And I think, unfortunately, right now, if we took one historic vote on the 45 cent gas tax tied to the budget, then it would go down. Mm. So I don't think it's the best approach to it. But I would tell you this. I I look forward to working with the governor to find out what is the the best fix to our roads to ensure that they're fixed, whether it's from Detroit to Dowagiac, that uh, every road is fixed. What's your... Uh, you know, response to a lot of studies we've seen recently about the cost of our infrastructure right now that, as the governor says, we essentially already have a roads tax and it's the price that we're paying for fixing our vehicles, especially in areas where roads are, are the worst, that 
uh, new revenue in some ways, you could argue, actually saves many drivers a lot of money every year. Yeah, I know. I think a lot of the roads that are crumbling too, whether they be county roads, local roads, I mean, what we do in a road tax or what we do in road funding uh, through the formula we have isn't going to necessarily fix every single road that's around the country. But again, I am not going to talk about new revenue until every penny that the people of the state of Michigan are already paying in taxes goes towards the roads. That's the root of the problem, and that's what needs to be addressed. But you are right. When the roads are in poor condition, we pay for it through, you know, fixing up our cars. I do it in Northern Michigan. People do it in Grand Rapids, Detroit, the UP, wherever it is. So that everyone understands it's an issue that needs to be focused on. We're going to work with this governor and we're going to come up with a good plan. Are you interested at all or could you see a plan that somehow changes Act 51 or uh, changes the way that our road funding is distributed the way it is right now? Yeah, you know, any talk on Public Act 51 is a change in the formula mm -hmm. of the pie and how we split it up. And I think that we need to talk about just enlarging the pie mm -hmm. before we talk about cutting it up in different ways. And like I mentioned, you've got too much money in taxes that the people of the state of Michigan are already paying and it's not going towards roads. We've got to fix that. And I think we also could ensure that, you know, the money that we raise, um, you know, in this conversation through tax policy and the money that's paid at the pump, doesn't have to necessarily go through the PA 51 formula. We can just send it directly to roads. And that's what we did in 2015 in our roads plan that we passed, coming up with $1.2 billion. And that's what we can do heading into the future because people want to see the money go directly to the roads. Really quick, do you expect to see a petition initiative in front of you on the abortion issue that Governor Whitmer has avowed to veto, that, that you've passed, that the Senate has passed, but that she will not sign. Do you think that that's going to happen? Yeah, you know, there have been talks of Michigan right to life about putting that before the legislature, you know, and it uh, truly with any citizen-led uh, petition, it's easier said than done, but the right to life has proven in the past that they can get the signatures for it. I support the bill. We voted on it. We passed it out of the House. And, uh, you know, should the governor veto it and the right, right to life or whoever organization put it in front of us, we're going to do what we can to get it done. Are you concerned at all about the, you know, you just talked about the relationship that you've built with the governor. If you're going to circumvent her on her vetoes, do you worry about what that might mean? No, it all falls within the purview of our system of government. We're going to have our disagreements. We're going to have our battles. Everyone knows that. It's just not letting those battles and disagreements define you. And I think what will define this term is our ability to come together on the large issues that are facing our state. Speaker Chatfield, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. That was my conversation with State House Speaker Lee Chatfield from the 2019 Mackinac Policy Conference. Also got the chance to speak with, this, with a Democratic counterpart in the House. That's Minority Leader Christine Gregg. Here's that conversation. It was a victory, right, where we did come together on both sides. I think what has happened that was different um, in the past is when we had one-party rule, um, it, a lot of the legislation was very one-sided, and that changed this time. The original bill that came through was very one-sided. We stopped that, uh, or the governor, with uh, getting involved in the process, but showing that there wasn't a lot of bipartisan support for that. So everyone came to the table then and said, how can we make this better uh, as a first step for moving forward to really reform the system? The thought that I had was that on an issue like No Fault, where it was so one-party um, centered, and you had this very small group that was just big enough to, to essentially kill a bill. You kind of needed divided government to get something like this done. Yes, absolutely. We've never had uh, guaranteed rate reductions in any kind of legislation before, too. We've never put any teeth into diffs in the past, too. So there's a lot of positives in the in the final product. But we're going to continue to look at it uh, and, and tweak it and, and make it better as we go. Talk about 
your own caucus on this issue, I mean, the, again, it was it was overwhelmingly bipartisan. However, you had a number of members that were very, very adamantly against this proposal. One member even saying that this was the day that she became an independent. I'm curious if you're you're at all concerned about what this means for uh, the relationship within the caucus, and uh, just considering how how uh, very upset certain members of your caucus were about this. Sure. I mean, this is a huge issue. It's a very complex issue too, and uh, you know, a, a lot of our residents in urban areas, Detroit in particular, have been discriminated against, and when it comes to insurance, so uh, they wanted to, a lot of our members wanted to see much more specific language in there to make sure that we ended discriminatory practices, and so that's clearly something we still need to work on. We have zip codes in there not being allowed to use, but you know, it it, it looked like it left the door open for territorial ratings, mm-hmm. but that's where we have to work with diffs and make sure that they are empowered to make sure that when we move to this file and approve system for insurers that they don't that they actually end those discriminatory processes so there's some positive steps in there but there's clearly a lot of um, unanswered questions that we need to continue working on and you know Detroiters have been discriminated against for decades on on these no-fault policies and we have to do better on that as well and diffs being the Department of Insurance correct yeah yeah Uh, now uh, when it comes to those territorial uh, rates, that, that's something that I think that was uh, kind of an eye raiser. In that you know th- these things could be as small as a census tract. I believe uh, average of four thousand people in a territory. A lot of people said that was unacceptable. That that redlining could be made even worse if these territories are sort of allowed to be a, a huge determinant of how rates are set, especially in places that are already seeing. Uh, extremely high rates. So what we did in the legislation is we were very specific about what couldn't be used as a um, in non uh, what non-driving factors could not be used in determining rates. But there's additional language in there that says that uh, diffs will actually oversee and make sure that any other non-driving factors come in uh, that there's uh, a, a correlation in there. And so I think by strengthening diffs that there's a lot we can do. Um, there is some concern that you could go down to that census tract level, but that's where we have to really work at a departmental level to make sure that's not happening. It, it was huge for us to go from a file and use system where insurance companies could immediately start charging these new rates to a file and approve. So we actually have a pause before any of these new rates come in where we're, we're doing the due diligence to make sure that we're ending discrimination. Usually when we're sitting here on Mackinac Island for the policy conference, either the budget is done or it is close to being done. Uh, it seems more like we're just kind of getting started in Lansing right now. Talk about the process being made or the progress being made on that and sort of um, where you see an agreement coming together on the budget. Right. So we've, uh, in the House anyway, we've had a few subcommittee budgets uh, move forward, but the big ones, education-related and transportation, um, those there's a lot of work. And I think when we go home from this conference, that's going to be job number one, is to really figure out how we, in the budget, find this new investment in our roads. Uh, and that really unlocks a lot of different uh, priorities that we want to work on, from fixing the infrastructure to strengthening our schools. And so you're going to see a real focus on getting that done when we get back. So I think in, in the month of June, will be very busy from a budget standpoint. Do you envision the idea of uh, going back to the era of uh, Granholm and Bishop where we were going into you know the very last day of the deadline to get the budget done and you know worrying about state government shutdowns things like that uh, is there are, do you fear that that could be a possibility given the way that things have been going well I think we have some real positive signs that we're not going down that path right so we've had uh, this 
uh, bipartisan legislation that passed last week mm-hmm. on no fault that set the precedent of us coming together, uh, all the the quadrant leaders as well as the governor, uh, and really working on a solution and talking and having those conversations. So we've set the stage for a positive um, budget process moving forward. Uh, no one wants to put the state of Michigan through that. Our school districts actually start their new fiscal year, year July 1st, and so it's it's critical that we get this budget finalized as soon as possible. And I think there's a lot of positive signs that we can get it done. Mm. There's an idea from the administration that the legislature could take one historic vote and essentially solve the roads issue, the the budget issue, and schools in many ways as well, giving a lot, you know, directing more money towards schools. Um, I know Speaker Chatfield has said that that's not going to be the House's approach, but do you, do you still hold out any hope that uh, there could be one huge historic vote this year that sort of tackles all those issues? I think that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you but know, realistically. But, you, know, but we, you know, just like we have a lot of members that are uh, at a lot of different places when it came to insurance, we have a lot of members on both sides of the aisle that are different spots when it comes to how, you, how do you best generate revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing we have to all agree on is that we need new revenue. We can't cut our way to good roads and good schools. We've got to figure out the best way to get the right solution that takes care of uh, many of these challenges as we can. We um, we have to start moving forward as a state, and that takes, you know, it, it takes some gutsy votes, mm. but we've got to do it. And um, I'm again, I'm positive that we've set the stage to make that happen. Speaker Chatfield has sort of left the door open in some ways to new revenue just by saying that he's not interested in new revenue unless we can make sure that all the money directed now that you're paying at the pump is going toward roads. Um, do you think that that does leave enough room open to have a conversation between the two caucuses and actually talk about something like a 45 cent gas tax increase? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of different options on the table. And the fact that we're, we're talking about that is uh, really important. Of course, you know, when you talk about taking the sales tax off of the pump, uh, that leaves a big hole on the school side. Uh, so we have to make sure that's part of those conversations that we're not uh, we're not holding the school aid fund harmless or that we are holding it harmless. Mm-hmm. Um, because the last thing we want to do is, uh, you know, shore up some infrastructure problems, but then uh, neglect our schools even more. Mm. There is a lot of talk about Right to Life launching a petition initiative on the abortion bill that was passed through the House and the Senate, uh, the straight party line votes. Um, and then, of course, Governor Whitmer saying that she would veto those bills, you know, when they reach her desk, if they reach her desk. Um, are you, what are your thoughts on the idea of the legislature essentially circumventing that veto on this and what kind of precedent that sets for the rest of Governor Whitmer's term? Yeah, I, I mean, it's very disheartening to see that. First of all, even bringing it up for a vote, knowing it wouldn't go anywhere, but actually putting it on the governor's desk. Um, it's obviously going on across the country right now, additional attacks on uh, a woman's right to make her own health care choices with private in privacy and with dignity um, so just the the whole policy aspect of it is very um, disheartening and then to take that a step further and say well if you're not gonna sign it governor then we're gonna go around you and we already saw from uh, the, the minimum wage and the earned paid sick time how that really uh, destroys the public trust when you're going through different initiatives and you don't see it all the way through and you're just using it as a tool to circumvent the normal processes if that were to come through as you're still talking about some of these major issues that we've been discussing. Do you worry about that momentum that something like No Fault will, would create uh, and then that relationship if if, uh, the, if Republicans in your chamber start going around uh, the governor and circumventing uh, her veto promises? Well, sure. I mean, whenever you, you know, start using divisive wedge issues and to take your eye off of those core issues like infrastructure, schools, water, health care, um, it does have a potential to derail some talks. But I think 
you know, the, the core, the quadrant especially, has a real focus to make sure that we're moving Michigan forward. Um, and, and that is keeping our focus on the roads and our schools and our water quality. Um, and, you know, we'll just have to work through that. Mm. Uh, House Democratic Leader Christine Gregg, thank you so much for joining all us right, today. All right, thank you. That's all for Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in for Stephen Henderson. This is WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation.